our little um, kids, our little warriors, preschooler and kindergartners, um, they can head to their class. It'll be an abbreviated class. Um, please don't panic. I'm not going to preach the full sermon I plan to preach today. Uh, in fact, I know where I'm going to cut it off. Um, it's kind of an awkward place to cut off, but I just feel like um, it's the word of the Lord for today. And so we need to we need to cover this, I feel like, because God, it flows so clearly with what God has already spoken. So um, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. So if you've got uh, a Bible, or if you don't have a Bible, or you want to read with the translation that I'm reading, the ones in front of you are New Living. We've been in this series called Built to Last, and we have talked about living lives that are uh, going to stand the test of time, that are going to endure to the end. And uh, we've talked about a lot of different things and, and the building blocks of, of that and how it works out, and that, you know, I compared it to being a weekend warrior in sports, you know, playing church softball league or being in a soccer league and doing sports. Some of us try to treat our Christian life that way. You know, we don't want to be professionals. We just want to be, you know, having fun out there whenever it's convenient. And that's not going to fly. It's not going to cut it. If we're not building lives on this foundation, in other words, if we're not strengthening our feeble hands and weak knees and we're not building a life that lasts, it's not going to last. And so, would you humor me and stand with me? Um, we're going to read Psalm 92 together, and then I'm going to share a few thoughts, and then we'll go home and put them into practice. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by a ten-stringed instrument, a harp, a melody of a lyre. You thrill me, Lord, with all you've done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. Oh, Lord, what great works you do. How deep are your thoughts. Now listen to this. Only a simpleton, or, you know, that's a polite way of saying fool. Only a simpleton would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O oh Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish. All evildoers will be scattered. But you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil doesn't matter if you feel like a strong ox he's made you a strong ox maybe you don't want to be a strong ox but you need to be spiritually he's anointed you with the finest oil in other words he's placed his holy spirit in you my eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies my ears heard the defeat of my wicked opponents even before it happened in other words but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. 
So Father, I pray that over these next few moments, you would take all of the words you have spoken to us today, that you would seal them in our hearts and help us to live them out in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Psalm 92 is a psalm that talks about the faithfulness of God, the fate of the wicked. It actually calls us a fool if we believe that what we see with our eyes, that the wicked seem to be flourishing, the wicked seem to be prospering, only a fool would believe that. Because the truth is, God said, the wicked will perish. But the righteous, on the other hand, they look like they're getting beat up. <clears throat> the righteous look like <clears throat> they're not prospering. Lord, no matter what I do, I can't seem to get ahead. But I know that my enemies have fallen. I know that you are my rock. And so Psalm 92, these three verses are what I want to look at. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He's my rock. There's no wickedness in him. The righteous, <clears throat> those of us in Christ Jesus are righteous. The righteous are not those that do everything right. The righteous are those who have put faith in Christ. So for those of us who have put faith in Christ, we will flourish like a palm tree. Now, maybe you don't think that means a lot. But the thing about palm trees are, palm trees are adaptable. They can grow in any climate. Palm trees can grow in hot weather. Palm trees can grow in cold weather. Palm trees can grow in wet weather. Palm trees can grow in dry weather. Palm trees in a hurricane will not break. They will bend. They literally, after a hurricane, can become horizontal to the ground and eventually grow back up. So when he says you will flourish like a palm tree, he means you'll adapt to any situation. When your life is hot, you're going to be fine. When your life is cold, you're going to be fine. When it's wet, when it's dry, when there's hurricane winds, when whatever you're facing, even when you get horizontal and you feel like you're about to fall over, you're not going to break. A bruised reed, he will not break. And a smoldering wick, he won't snuff out. That's what he's declared, promised for us in Christ. That's what's going to happen. Now, he says you're going to grow like a cedar of Lebanon. I don't know if you noticed, like, the words that we sang and the words that were shared and the words that have been spoken are littered throughout Psalm 92. But here's the thing. I didn't tell Mark I was preaching Psalm 92. I didn't tell Christy I was preaching Psalm 92. I didn't tell Karen I was preaching Psalm 92. In fact, I laughed today during prayer when she talked about seeing a vision of trees putting down deep roots. I'm like, oh, that's funny. We're talking about trees today. During worship, every song we sang, I just kind of chuckled to myself. I feel like I'm the only one that knows what's going on. And even the more Mark shared, the more I just thought, oh, that's funny, oh, that's funny. Because everything ties together. It's like the Lord wants us to catch this. He, you will grow strong like a cedar of Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon can grow to be 130 feet tall. Big, massive trees. 
but it takes them about 100 years to get there. In other words, just slow and steady growth. And those trees are very useful. In fact, when they built the temple, remember where they got the cedars from? From Lebanon, the house of the Lord. Then, this is what he promises. These people who are planted in the house of the Lord, and that's what we're going to talk about, they are going to flourish in the courts of our God. In other words, wherever God is in his presence. So right now we're going to flourish. And when we get to heaven and stand in the courts of God, when we stand in judgment day, we're going to flourish. How many of you would like to flourish? I would like to flourish. I would like to remind myself I'm a palm tree. I'm a cedar of Lebanon. I would like to remind myself that in my old age, I will still bear fruit. The lie that says at some point you just get so old that you don't stay fresh and green and you don't bear fruit is a lie. Because you're a palm tree and you're a cedar of Lebanon. And so I don't care what age you are and I don't care what season you're in. You can be in a drought. You can be in a flood. You can be in a a hurricane. You can be in anything. You're growing. I don't feel like I'm growing. Who cares? I mean, I know we care, but it doesn't matter. What matters is what is true. So we need to be planted in the house of God. I want to look at what the New Testament says about that. The New Testament says in 1 Peter chapter 2, as you come to Christ, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God, you're precious to him. And you also, like living stones, are being built into what? A spiritual house. Hebrews chapter 3. But Christ is faithful as God's son over God's house, and we are his house. Ephesians chapter 2. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. You're fellow citizens with God's people. You're members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. We're God's house. For we, Apollos and Paul, are both God's workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Don't you realize that all of you together are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Now, you may have quoted that verse before and said it this way. You know, I am a temple of the living God and the Spirit of God lives in me. And you're absolutely correct. The Scripture supports you in that. But this verse does not say that because the word you is plural. We know that because the Greek word you, singularly and plural, is different. So when he says you are God's house and his temple, his spirit lives in you, he's saying collectively Corinthians, you together are God's house. Why is it important to be planted in a a house of God. Why is it important to be planted, not in a building, not in a name, not in a program, but in a group of people being built together like spiritual stones into a house? It's important. Let me see where we are. Some people will say, Pastor Tom, 
I know when the Bible talks about us all being God's house, he's talking about like the church universal. Because in the New Testament, when this is written, there weren't different churches in each city. There was like a church. There weren't different denominations. There weren't different groups. But today, we got different groups. And so we've got this idea today that, you know, I can go to this church this week and that church next week and try to get the best of both worlds. And, you know, that's great. But when I look at the New Testament church and I look at their commitment together and I look at how they're told, you know, watch out for each other, care for one another, meet each other's needs, know each other. And when it says, you know, appoint seven men that you know to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if you and I only see each other for an hour and a half on Sunday morning and we're in and out, how in the world am I going to know that you're a person full of the Holy Spirit ready to be appointed to this position of leadership? There has to be a whole lot more connection than that. If it says, before you lay hands on someone and anoint them as an elder in the church, you should test them. You should make sure that they're really following the Lord. You should make sure that their desire and their heart is to know him and they walk in humility and grace and they put these things into practice. I don't know how we can live that out if we go to this church this week and that church next week and this church the next week. I don't know how that's possible. So while there may not have been different denominations, I believe there's a level of connection that's called for in the New Testament that you can't get unless you plant yourself in the house of God. Not in this room. Not in here on First Assembly of God. Look around at the other bricks. That's where you're planted. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle says this. He doesn't call it a building, he calls it a body. The body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So in other words, just like your body is made up of all these different parts, all 2,000 of them, thank you, lever soap, you're made up of, our body is made up of many parts. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body, So in other words, what Paul just says here is, if any part of the body says, I'm not a part of that body, it's not any less a part of the body. So you can walk around today saying, you know, I'm not really a part of that body. That's not true. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you want to be or not, you're a part of a body. You're not just a foot created to walk out there and just be alone. How many of you, if you walked out this building today and saw a bunch of feet laying around out there, would panic? And we wonder why people look at the church and wonder why they're panicked. Because all they see are a bunch of body parts lying around. They're supposed to see a body. Let them be one, so that as you and I are one. Then let's skip down to verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? your whole body were an ear, how would you smell? Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. There are many parts. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. See, you're a part, and none of us in this room can look at any other part in this room and say, I don't need you. We can't. Now, 
My identity, my worth, my value does not come from what you think of me. It comes from the cross. But I still need you. And you still need me. I don't want to need you and you don't want to need me. It's easier just to have Jesus. But those who flourish in the courts of the Lord are planted in the house of God. I want to look at one point. There's three things that I want to give you over the next two weeks of how we are planted in the house of God. Here's where we're going to start. Number one, come. Come. I'll tell you that just coming here doesn't make you planted in the house of God. But you can't be planted apart from coming. Come together. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider how to spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, the day of his return drawing nearer. This passage of scripture tells us there is a habit of not coming together. Mark illustrated that today very well. He didn't feel like coming. Can I be honest? Some Sundays, I don't feel like coming. But I only get four misses a year. So I got to choose wisely. Maybe we should do that for everybody. <laughs> I'm not trying to say, man, this mic today is driving me nuts. No, it's not. It's not going to drive me nuts. I choose not to allow it. I'll just fix it. There we go. So, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I only have four days, four Sundays off. Four Sundays, not four days. <laughs> Whew. I'm not saying that every time you miss church, you should feel guilty. Please do not hear that. But there is a habit of not coming. And for everyone, the, the habit is different. Sometimes we just get busy and we just stop coming together. It just happens. Sometimes it's because we're hurt or offended and we stop coming. Sometimes we just get apathetic or lazy. But the enemy seeks to isolate us from one another. There is a habit of not coming that you and I need to fight against. And the American culture actually says, right now in our day and age, people are so busy, let's actually meet less and less. Because we're all so busy. There's just, there's no time to come together and meet. We're so busy. And yet look what this word says. Don't give in to the habit of not coming together, but come together more and more the closer you get to my coming. So if I'm the enemy, what do I want to do? If that's his plan, I want us coming together less and less. Now, we're going to talk a whole lot more about just showing up in the building next week. But I just feel like this is what God is saying. 
We talked about the body with many parts. Did you ever stop and think about the fact that if our body is represented by the different parts that make it up, and on any given Sunday, if half the parts aren't here, or on a Wednesday or on a Tuesday night prayer meeting, we're only functioning at what? 10% capacity, 20% capacity, 40% capacity, 60% capacity. I mean, uh, tomorrow morning, if you woke up, what would be the lowest percentage of your body that you would want to function? 95? I mean, you could get through the day maybe with 90, maybe 85. And we wonder sometimes why the church doesn't grow. Well, because we give into the habit of not coming together. And it becomes a habit. I hear people say all the time, oh man, Pastor Tom, every time I see you, I've, I know God's been trying to get me to come back to church. I'd just give in to that. If God's trying to get you to do anything, it's just best to do it. And you don't have to get into the habit of coming back. You just have to come. Some people try to get in the habit before they do it once. We need to get into the habit of coming together in church so that we can encourage each other more and more. See, when we come together, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, this person's got a word and this person's got a message and sometimes they all tie together really nicely like they did today. Karen got visions of a tree and a chairlift and Mark got visions of, you know, just coming to church when you don't want to and strengthening your feeble arms and your weak knees and Christy's singing songs up here about thanking God and praising him for all that he's done for us and the victor's crown and then, you know, the, and, dude, I thought people, so I, when I left my seat, I thought, you know, God, I know you want to speak right now. I don't know why no one's saying anything. And then I get up here and I'm like, should I just pray? And I'm like, no, because the Holy Spirit wants to speak. So then I said, who wants to speak? And then it was really silent. So I'm standing up here thinking, okay, so maybe I missed it. Maybe you don't want to speak. And so maybe I'll just pray now. That's what's going through my mind. And then he gets up and says, well, I just wanted to be sure it was no one else. <laughs> You're killing me here. Just speak. But it all goes, and see, here's the thing. He talked about Tuesday night prayer. For those of us that were at Tuesday night prayer and heard the word and sees how, how everything fits together, we're like, yeah. For those of us that are in Sunday school, and Sunday school fits what the, the word is saying, and, and on Wednesday night, man, this really fits with the book we're reading, and it, man, this, it all comes together. But see, you don't notice that if you don't Come. So it's not that you're not saved if you don't come, but if you want to flourish, if you want to be a palm tree, if you want to be a cedar of Lebanon, it starts with just one thing. Come together. Come together. Don't get so weighed down with guilt every time you miss that it paralyzes you, but don't get in the habit of not coming. Does that make sense? We need to come together. Next week, we're going to talk about what else we need to do. But that's all we're going to talk about today. We're going to come together. So, stand with me. If you want the rest of the story like Paul Harvey, you got to come back next week.
It's Mother's Day too. Our American culture is very individualistic. The Bible says we need each other. I can't say to you, I don't need you. You can't say to me, I don't need you. We need each other. If you've gotten in the habit of not coming, stop it. One of the things I heard as I heard the Lord that I shared with you this morning, the Lord said, you have not because you ask not, which is interesting that Christy said that too. Um, I also heard him say, you don't ask or you don't get because you ask with wrong motives. And it's very hard to preach a sermon like this and check your motives when you're the pastor. Because me standing up here today and telling you, you need to come, could be very selfishly motivated. So I had to wrestle with this one really hard. In fact, Pastor John helped me wrestle all week and we pounded this thing out. He, he just loves that. But I was so excited yesterday. I'm like, dude, it all finally came together. Thank you for helping me pound it out. The word of the Lord is come together. And so Father, I thank you that when we never would have come to you, you came to us. You not only rescued us from a pit individually, but you brought us now collectively into a spiritual house that you are building. Father, I pray that just today and as we go through this week and as we go into next week, that you would, Holy Spirit, that you open our eyes to understand this more fully. Help us to see how you are building together a body. Father, forgive us for neglecting coming together. Forgive us for giving in to excuses. Forgive us for giving in to the lies of the enemy that seeks to isolate us from one another. God, we need each other. And I pray that you'd help us to have a proper perspective when we come together, that we're not looking for our value or our self-worth from one another, but God, we're, we're coming together to encourage one another and to build up your house. But thank you for making us palm trees that can withstand every type of weather. Thank you for making us cedars that God, over time, we can't see how big we're growing because we are us. But God, if we look back over the last 10 years at where we were and where we are, God, we see that you're growing us. And so help us to keep our eyes fixed on you as we walk this out together. Help us to apply it now in Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you guys for coming today. We've got our Pinewood Derby in the fellowship hall right after this. I want to encourage you to stay for that. And uh, we'll see you next week.